Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome back to Pixels, a show where we talk about video games and we give you the whole entire world of gaming news in one easy to consume one-stop shop podcast. What more could you ask? Well, I'm going to tell you. First of all, well, it's come standard with it. It's me, Patrick Beja, your host. But the thing you could ask on top of that is Scott Johnson. And when I say on top of that, I mean that as not literally. Okay. I don't want Scott on top of me. No, no, no. Nobody wants that. But it's like uh, if you were if this show was ice cream, I would be the sprinkles and hopefully not the lactose intolerance of the show. (laughs) There's lactose intolerance baked into ice cream. And uh, being myself intolerant to many things, including uh, caseine, caseine, which is the Mm -hmm. protein of uh, milk. I very much know what you're talking about. It's terrible. I can't eat ice cream. Yeah, it's a real bummer. I'm having, I have a, actually have a similar thing. You and I are just, we're getting older. And, uh, you know, when we were kids, we could put down whatever we needed to, but now not so much. It's fine. We have to embrace it, Patrick. You have to, you have to embrace the fact that one day we're going to have to eat mush and water and that's it. I'm not looking forward to that. However, What I am looking forward to is the fact that hopefully we'll still be able to play video games and uh, some of them might be games presented at Gamescom this year. Sure. A mush a mush fueled video game session is surely in the future for both of us. So what did you think of Gamescom? Uh, we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff. We're uh, going to be talking about No Man's Sky, which Scott apparently p- played 15 million hours of. Um, and some PlayStation Slim rumors and some other things. Uh, but yeah, the first part is going to be Gamescom. And there's tons of stuff at Gamescom. And as usual, uh, we're not going to be talking about everything, obviously. So if we forgot that one thing you really wanted us to talk about, sorry. Uh, but yeah, that's, we're just going to be covering the things we, that caught our eyes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So what did you think of Gamescom in general? On the whole, I, this is going to be interesting because people who were there would disagree with me. But the view from over here was that it was not the most exciting of, of Gamescoms. That the stuff that was shown or talked about were things that we already knew about. Um, you know, some news regarding betas and things that were coming for games that had previously been announced at E3 or otherwise. But this is an event where, you know, normally Microsoft has a big keynote and a big presence at and they they were virtually nowhere at it. Um, there was a, it was quiet on a lot of fronts. I felt like, except for, uh, Blizzard Entertainment seemed to almost have BlizzCon Jr. And not Jr. by that much, like a pretty, uh, pretty epic showing 
Uh, yeah, it so. was interesting. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. It's just it was it just kind of showed showed that they are taking this event maybe more seriously than they ever have in the past. And I was that surprised me a little bit. And I was super impressed with what they did. Yeah, I think it's about. I mean, well, we'll get to Blizzard for sure. We are two uh, giant Blizzard fanboys, so we're going to be talking about that for sure. Uh, but yeah, it was probably a light. Gamescom, uh, I think there was only one major thing that was announced, and that's uh, Konami's new game, which we'll get to in a minute. Overall, Gamescom is always a place where you get to play the games that were announced at E3. That's traditionally the role of the of the conference in the in the year's schedule. Uh, but this this time it was especially that. Like you usually have a couple of games that are announced, a few big things that you find out about. But yeah, this time it was. A little bit on the light side. Um, however, it doesn't mean there weren't interesting things. I mean, there were a bunch of trailers, bits of information for new things. Of, I mean, for things that we knew that were coming. Um, a lot of uh, info for Call of Duty, Fallout 4 was featured. Um, sea of Thieves had a new trailer. Mafia 3, uh, Final Fantasy 15 had a gigantic uh, gameplay Trailer, I guess, not a trailer, but a gameplay video. Do you think that helped make up for the delay, or do you do you think that was a well? So, well, yeah. Let's let's dive into it um, because everything we're going to reference, we're going to be wanting to talk about. But the first thing is uh, Konami, which basically came back. I don't want to say from the dead, but they're in a really weird uh, position now publicly uh, as it relates to uh, gamers and, and their fans. And they announced a game called Metal Gear Survive, which was unexpected, mainly because Konami seems to not care about games very much. Um, or at least there, there was a lot of indication that they were getting away from um, gaming, even though they did protest that they were still very much involved in gaming. Uh, we've covered this at length. And uh, Metal Gear Survive is in a especially weird place. Uh, it's a project that uh, takes place in the game world, in the Metal Gear universe between Round Zeroes and the latest, you know, and uh, uh, Phantom Pain. Or is it mm-hmm. the other way around? I can never tell which one is which. Correct. Ground Your Zeroes is first. Yeah. You're right. There you go. And uh, and it, it's completely different. It's basically uh, team survival against zombies, although there is some stealth involved in the thing. And the game might be cool, but they don't have Hideo Kojima, of course, who famously left the company a few months ago. And and they are the, the murderers of uh, existing franchises. So... I don't think people are going to give this game a, an objective look, let's say. But uh, did you? what did you think of that trailer if you saw it? I think it looked interesting. I mean, it's impossible to see the future of any Metal Gear games without thinking about Kojima not being there anymore as its steward um, and its creative force and its, you know, its, its father, really. So, so not having him there is, is just the elephant in the room, and it's very difficult to get past that. However, I think that they could prove everybody wrong and have something decent come out and and when it comes out, it could be even better than decent. It could be great, and maybe this is what people are looking for. But when you say uh, the words to me that uh, that are survival and zombies, I'm not sure that gets the rest of the gaming world too excited, given that we are so saturated with such things currently. And, um, you know, every day on Steam, there's a new survival game coming out. <laughs> every day on PSN, there's a new survival game coming out. And many of those survival games involve zombies of some sort. So it doesn't ring a bell. It, it doesn't ring the innovation bell very loudly. It kind of just says, hey, we could get in on this. And, you know, Konami can say whatever they want. But it's been obvious in the last, 
well, more than a few years that they have been distancing themselves, whether on purpose or just by the natural way things work from traditional video games and back toward, you know, pachinko and gambling and, you know, stuff that where their interests are in Japan. Um, the fact that it's a Metal Gear game doesn't surprise me because it's the only yeah, game, really the only game they've had, but also it's the only game that really makes them a ton of money right now. And uh, Phantom Pain was a huge success. It did really, really well. And maybe that changed their minds. Maybe there was something that clicked where they went, oh, yeah, we still could do fine in this business, even if it was only two or three franchises that were succeeding. Um, mm, that's the Jenner's view of it, I think. Yeah, uh, probably. I, yeah. I, I, I want more out of them than we're going to ever probably get. And so I'm, sure, I'm, yeah. I'm a little more generous than I should be. But yeah. yeah, it definitely seems like, I mean, they, this seems like an easy milking of the franchise. And maybe I'm looking at it and thinking, oh, but you don't have Kojima anymore. So boo Konami. And I think for them to make a Metal Gear game without Kojima, they would need to make something fantastic to sort of, you know, disprove the naysayers, which are inevitably and naturally going to uh, be looking at this game with a lot of severity. Um, and this, from the one trailer, it might be wrong, but it looks like just an average, you know, an average game that anyone who is paying attention to it is going to be paying attention to because it's Metal Gear. But yeah, it very, reminds me very already much. Already, I'm being sort of harsh on it, but uh, well, I, I mean, look, it's impossible to see it in, outside of that light. Like, we'll, we'll yeah. play it and we'll see. But until then, I think it's a fair. I think it's a fair criticism, and also it just it smells like what Capcom has done with the Resident Evil franchise in a lot of ways. And I know they're trying to make a comeback with that new one and going into VR and all that. But whether whether Seven succeeds on its own merits or not, you know what a weird storied past that is, and they're constantly putting out these weird like here's a third person shooter multiplayer only computer game based in the. <laughs> umbrella corp whatever thing and and it starts to look like money milking in the worst way and you know i think it's i think you are absolutely within your rights to have that feeling here because i yeah, get the same i guess i guess it's on them to disprove us at this stage of their of the story of the series but uh, yeah yeah so um, yeah. look i'm always i'm a huge believer in open-mindedness about games whatever they may be approach them as if they're fresh but this is a case where you just cannot ignore the history of it or the direction this is not a proper sequel this is not a inspired new direction uh, you know unlike say something like the uh, what was the was it revengeance yeah you, metal gear solid yeah. revengeance yeah that was a cool game it was a very different game too but it was really cool and and had well its- okay to be fair let me let me be the, the the devil's advocate the konami's advocate we have only seen a two minutes trailer it might turn out that the game's awesome yeah, we yeah, that's I guess I guess that's the point. We are absolutely going to have to wait and see and it will be fascinating to follow it because this will either be that moment where we go, yeah, you guys are dumb, way to go, you've killed it. <laughs> or we go, dude, sweet, this is so good. I'm so glad they're still making it and yeah. it's on them. It's totally on them. All right. Um so that was the, basically the only big uh, announcement as we said the new uh, thing but there were a bunch of other things including uh, talking about zombies uh, zombie mode is coming back to Call of Duty in Infinite Warfare uh, and they have a zombies in Spaceland mode which is a weird 80s take on uh, on the zombie mode with um different actors that are going to voice the the characters including david hasselhoff as a dj is my understanding and i watched this trailer and my feeling was i can't believe how much i'm interested in call of duty infinite warfare every little bit of thing they do 
sort of gets me interested into it, not hugely, but a lot more than I was in, in the previous uh, iterations of the series, which was basically not at all. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to have time to play it, but I look at all of this and I'm like, oh, that that doesn't look half bad. So, yeah, I'm kind yeah. of in the same boat. Um, weirdly, <laughs> weirdly, this is, should be kind of a shark jumping moment for them where you're like, okay, guys, really in space now is where <laughs> we're at. But there's something about that move, and maybe it's because, generally speaking, shooters are sh- making a shift back to the more fantastical and away from the ultra-realistic, and maybe that's helping them. Uh, you know, games like Overwatch and, and uh, you know, other shooters are... Yeah, there's uh, a lot of hero hero shooters fast sure. space. Yeah. And they're all wacky guns and crazy abilities, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a throwback to more of, like, the Quake and real days and less of the... You know the the Counter Strike slash uh, Call of Duty days, and so so part of me is like, oh, I okay with it because I think that's the general shift. So maybe that's why it's working for me. But bottom line is, I, I'm with you. Like every time they show it, like for example, I am way more interested in this as a shooter that I might pick up this fall versus um, uh, the Battlefield World War One thing. Battlefield yeah. One. Yeah. I, I'm far more interested in doing weird shit in space than I am even touching that riding on a horse in the in the desert yeah yeah you know ask me five six years ago maybe that my answer would have been very different but right now i kind of embracing the weird i want them to go weird yeah so the hoff is definitely uh some way to do that so there you go <laughs> um destiny rise of iron we have a lot of details it's not very gamescom specific but there's a lot of uh details that came out during that um that period um i don't think you got into destiny did you I did a little um, when the Taken King stuff came out. That game right. got a lot better for me. But then I can't remember something else got more fun. Actually, you know what kind of happens is looty, grindy games where I'm grinding for loot and upgrading and stuff. They have this weird tendency to. And when we talk about No Man's Sky or No Mansky, as I like to call it, <laughs> uh, I have another story about this. But but what those games do for me is they make me go, oh, I could really go for some Diablo right now. <laughs> like the game that inspired them to be the kind of games they are. And this is true of like Borderlands, like all these games about halfway. So through that's why I- you jumped into season seven of Diablo then. It's because <laughs> yeah. of No Man's Sky. Yeah. No Man's Sky got me in there. No, no Man's Sky did uh, this. This thing when I was playing Taking King, it just kept pushing me to go. Oh, I'm really in the mood for Diablo. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it has a very Diablo is a really weird relationship with me and other games that that copy some of its systems. To, to great success, I mean, people love Destiny. They end up just driving me back to Diablo. It's very weird. I yeah, it's understandable. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely the Taken King was, a, I, I think, a brilliant update to the game. And I couldn't shut up about it for three months, almost as much as I couldn't shut up about uh, Overwatch for, for five months. Um, but yeah, so I was very much looking forward to what they were going to do next. But I, I'm getting a really bad feeling about Rise of Iron, which is the next uh, expansion for Destiny. And the thing is, it seems incredibly content light. It's, there's going to be a new strike, a new raid some artifact things that are going to change your abilities um, and other things like that. But there's no new levels. Like it's literally just your item level that you're going to upgrade the light level, which is fine, but you don't get new abilities. There's no new spec um, for for your class. So you don't get any new gameplay, uh, serious gameplay elements beyond the artifact thing. Uh, it feels to me like they were really hoping to have Destiny 2 done uh, this year. 
and they realized they needed to bake it a little bit longer. Well, actually a year longer. Um, so they decided to put something together as quickly as they could and as big as they could. Um, but it's not going to be a full-fledged uh, expansion. It's not going to be a, a Taken King. It's just going to be a, li a little bit more than, you know, the House of Wolves and the other one that they had, uh, the Dark Below, that they have they had in year one. Um, I think it's going to be more than this, but it's definitely, it doesn't look like it's going to be a, a genuine expansion. So I'm, I'm, very likely going to get it um but i don't think it's going to uh, you know i'm going to feel the satedness that i did with uh, the taken king it's definitely a 0.5 half step feeling to it um yeah. I, I, you know whether or not our impressions are, are wrong again will depend on how it does when it releases but i definitely get that feeling and i didn't and i i swear a year ago or more there was some leaked act or uh, not activision but some leaked um uh, bungee documents or something that said that they wanted yearly a yearly franchise, not just expansions, but like every year or every two years or whatever it was, they were going to put out so, a brand new game and they're due for that. And they missed it. Yeah. They basically, the what they, they did, uh, cold. It was an Activision Bungie thing, a joint thing. I think it was a couple of years ago, maybe even more. Uh, they wanted to do expansion one year, uh, and and proper sequel the next year and alternate that during the next uh, 10 years and it it obviously they missed it because this year was supposed to be destiny 2 it's been pushed um so yeah it's it's absolutely a filler thing uh even when you look at the content you list the amount of content and the amount of features it doesn't look like a, a proper expansion i mean for uh, the Taken King, we had an entirely new spec per class, which was relatively different to play and super fun to play. So anyway, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, new Sea of Thieves trailer. I still don't understand what the hell that game is, uh, <laughs> aside being a pirate and, you know, riding on your boat. But and I think most people are on that same boat as I am looking at what's around us and going like, well, the sea looks spectacular. The water is amazing, but what the hell do you do in that game? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure either, except I remember at E3, there was a lot of talk about how it was like co-op, um, like co-op, co-op pirate town. Yeah, but it's almost like there's some survival. Okay, so take your kind of Daisy template, which everybody copies now. There's a million games like that. Even No Man's Sky is like that. Like with the big re reveal about No Man's Sky, it's basically a survival game with a big universe. Um, and by survival, I mean, got to go gather plants, got to go get the stuff, build the next thing. You know, it's it's that kind of game. It's Minecraft at, at the core uh, in a lot of ways. And this is supposed to be kind of that, but like, not like building blocks and simplistic, you know, structures, mm. but user generated content and also like kind of a raiding game where you're, you know, imagine in Warcraft how you always have raid nights or whatever. But in this game, you and your buddies are all running different parts of the ship and doing different things. This guy's firing cannons. This guy's got a gun. This guy's shooting a pistol and reloading, you know, whatever. <laughs> And you're yeah. raiding other other camps and other pirates and stuff. But it, but I, I don't know that the game makers themselves, I don't know that Rare's ever actually come out and said that that's what this is. I think they haven't really said. Well, like, that, that, that's what really worries me. If the developer, after two, how long has it been? Two or three presentations of the game still can't explain to the, to the audience what the game is. 
it, yeah. it worries me. It's weird. So. Yeah. I, I mean, it's rare. So people have a lot of, you know, talk. Speaking of a, of, of a thing that's like Konami where it's, it's this hallowed name, right? But, but Rare's kind of been, you know, nothing for, since Microsoft bought them, really. Yeah, Microsoft told them, now you go do those Connect, stupid Connect games. That's what yeah. you do now. And like, that was a bad time for everybody. Do, yeah, Because yeah. there's, you know, one of the greatest developers ever in, in console games. And so they kind of got pushed to the, to the back. So this is their chance to come up front and say, yo, we're back. We got this rad thing. It is concerning, though, that they're not really talking about it. They're just showing some core stuff. The way it's described on the Wikipedia page is the game features user-generated content, which players have the ability to craft their custom stories by using in-game tools. The game will feature co-op gameplay and will be set in an open-world multiplayer environment. That is not a lot of detail. <laughs> yeah, that, that basically explains nothing. So. Yeah, that's every game currently available. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, so talking about oh wait was it Fallout 4? Yeah sure let's do that why not. Um Fallout 4 Nuka World is going to be available August 30th. I couldn't get into Fallout 4. It I played a little bit but it's just I don't know it didn't grab me. Um it, you playing the other ones? Has any of the other Fallout's been your thing at all? No, Fallout, no. I loved Skyrim, spent a lot of time in Skyrim. Uh, but that's about it. So I, maybe I'm not the target audience. But uh, a lot of people do love Fallout, and Yuka World seems like... I'm not even sure it's like... Yeah, it's it seems like a, a great, more Fallout, but I'm not an expert, so... Yeah, I like the game. I... I um I petered out though. Um, I played probably a lot more than you did and I, I enjoy it and I like the setting more than I do the game. So I'm a huge fan of, you know, well, everyone knows what I, Mad Max, my feeling about Mad Max and about just, you know, post-apocalyptic wastelands is just kind of my, my gig. But I, um, I think the game is just so overloaded with itself that it doesn't, it, it ends up sucking a lot of the fun out of it. So I, I always kind of burn out really? on that. Uh, yeah, actually like, let, yeah. tell me more about this because you're the first person that that's telling me that they don't, you know, love fallout 4 so i don't feel like such a, a an outcast person i'll say i i'll say i really like fallout 4 i won't i could never go as far as that i love it uh but i love skyrim now some would say well scott they're essentially the same kind of game with some of the same problems big unwieldy uis hard to deal with inventories like you could make that argument and absolutely you could i don't know why the magic works in in skyrim and doesn't work here as much maybe Maybe future Elder Scrolls games won't even live up to that. I don't. I don't know. But um, the Fallout universe is maybe my one of my favorite universes. But playing in that universe just feels slow, clunky, and kind of unwieldy. You know, it's very weird because I don't. I have exactly the same feeling, and I don't think it's just the the setting. Uh, obviously, I love the setting of Skyrim, and I love fantasy and high fantasy. But I also love. Uh, dystopian, barren, desert, radiated uh, Mad Max land. And I don't know why it doesn't work for me in Fallout. The, the, I think you're right. The, the game gets in the way of it. So you have to, I don't know. I mean, lots of people love it. And it, it was game of the year for a lot of people. And deservedly so. I understand the qualities of the game. I just don't understand why I, it's not, you know, it feels like it's, Again, getting it in its own way and the gameplay elements are a little bit unwieldy and yep. I don't know. I got into that that house where I had to shoot all the zombies and get to the guys and it felt like, I don't know. I have a hard described time. As, a, you described a lot of those missions yeah. just now. <laughs> 
it's one of the first ones, but you know, it, it feels like it's as much work as it is in, as it is enjoyment. And it felt like Skyrim was a little bit more enjoyment than work. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair way to say it. I I I've always said this, and people think I'm weird for saying it, but I'll say it again. So the game, oh, they're getting a sequel this year. I just forgot the name of it. Uh, Bethesda also makes it. Um, un, un, no, no, what it is? It's, oh shoot, that open world kind of uh, uh, Victorian era steampunk. Oh, uh, the arcane. Um, oh, now you're uh, freaking. Oh, uh, yes, dishonored, un, unhonored, unhonored. That's yeah. that's the word. <laughs> All right, so dishonored is correct. Um, that I've always said that if the Fallout games played like Dishonored, or better yet, just take Dishonored and set it in the Fallout universe, that's a better video game. Like that's mm-hmm. a more fun game because there is a there is kind of a Fallout quality to Dishonored, but it doesn't get in its in its way. And I prefer the world of Fallout over the world of Dishonored. So let's just swap <laughs> swap settings and boom. Fallout, it becomes much more interesting. Now, there is a huge player base that would say, Scott, you're crazy. That is way too simplified. That is not the Fallout I love, and I understand that. But I'm telling you, I would play the hell out of a Dishonored-style uh, set of mechanics and sort of player kit and all of that stuff, but set in the Fallout universe. That would be a much more enjoyable game for me. All right. Mafia 3 saw a new trailer as well. Um very uh, it it oh by the way that nuka world thing which we didn't really talk about uh releases august 30th so fallout <laughs> four heads just go and go nuts um yeah. mafia 3 is releasing uh october 7 and it got a new trailer and uh i don't know that game looks interesting it's another one of those games that i don't think i'm gonna have time to play because there's so much to play um but yeah it looks like they really um Step, stepped up the cinematicness of of the game and i think that kind of you know we're always looking for new different settings for games and i think that makes a lot of those uh as we were saying the the victorian thing and the uh man max setting and the world war ii modern conflict things were now sort of uh, uh milked to the point that we want to move on and in this the the you know what was it 30s for for mafia 3 seems like it could work so i mean it in that trailer it's much earlier than the previous trailer which was uh 60s or 70s something like that it, it could work for me i'm very I, I'm curious it's maybe one of the games i'm most excited about um i've i've said it before the mafia 2 is a pretty good game mafia 1 wasn't great 2 is much much better and i feel like they're getting it right certainly with the tone of 3 um and setting it where they're setting it the time frame super interesting it's one that you don't get to hear a lot about uh i mean i guess goodfellas messed around with the 50s 60s and 70s and it was sort of span that era but usually your mafia stuff is like it's the 1940s, see? What are you going to do with all that liquor if the, if the boss man finds it, see? Like, that kind of stuff is fine, <laughs> and I like that era, but we don't need it to all be that, you know, Chicago crime family stuff. It can be it can be other times, and this is definitely that one of those other times, and I'm personally very, very excited about Mafia 3. I think it looks great. Well, uh, you, the answer to your dreams is October 7th. Um, we also got lots of info about Final Fantasy XV. Um, well, basically, the main thing is that it won't meet its uh, release date, which 
yeah, it's sad. But uh, as I think the was it last year or the year before already uh, has proven, we would all much rather games got delayed and came out uh, properly than got rushed and were laden with lots of issues. Um, this one here, the issue that was given, the, the reason that was given was basically uh, they had so much change in the game and to, to do that the day one patch would have been enormous. And I'm sure a lot of people don't want to have to download. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's not the only reason, um, but it's a good reason to to delay something. If you have a day one patch that's going to be, you know, 20 gigs, it's going to make a lot of people frustrated. And I'm sure there's still going to be a day one patch, but um, it won't be as as huge. Uh, that being said, there was 15 minutes of, um, of gameplay that was released from basically what is going to be the gold version. Um, and I skimmed through it and I was way more excited about uh final fantasy 15 i would say six months ago than i am now it, oh it, interesting okay. yeah it's weird you know it's not getting me to that level of final fantasy you know square enix gets it now they have revamped the game in a way that that makes sense for today and maybe it's gonna work out but what i'm seeing feels like uh you know a half step between action and rpg and not the right half step it's sort of not getting um the the good parts of both worlds and it's also you know i can't get away from the weirdness and the awkwardness of the japanese writing and the <laughs> japanese uh you know tropes and and images and imagery and I think when it's in a game like uh, uh, Persona, which is set in Japan, it's fine. But it, when it tries to uh, westernize itself, which it's not just Japanese high fantasy, it's so you see that they're trying to appeal to Western audience, and it feels incredibly awkward. And the voice acting is not great, and you can sense maybe it's me because I. I no Japanese, but you can sense the translation in, in everything they're doing. Yeah. yeah. So I don't I know. I know that localization stuff is hard, but yeah, you can, it's pretty obvious. I don't know. I mean, I've never been a Final Fantasy guy in the first place. So whenever these come around, I always go, huh, maybe this is the one I'm going to get into. And then I usually wait. And then my friends who are really into it will tell me, oh, no, this isn't the one to get, or yeah, you should, or whatever. Um, the one, the reason that this one has appealed to me is twofold. One, I think that new movie looks really interesting and I want to see it. Um, I know it doesn't have it's coming out soon. Yeah, it's real soon. The reviews have been really good too. People like it. Um, uh, it's supposed to be really impressive technically, but anyway, uh, the other reason is these guys are driving around in a car, dude. Like it's cars, dragons and cars. Like here's a car. Here's a bunch of dragons. Here's a giant weirdo thing from space. Oh, it doesn't bother me. And it doesn't bother me at all. That's why I'm interested. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I want that kind of weird. That's the level of weird I want. What I don't want is Japanese. Like, I don't like Japanese games that are RPGs where they try to be like a traditional Western high fantasy RPG uh, looks wise and stuff. And I'm not saying Final Fantasy does that. They kind of waffle back and forth on their aesthetic. I like that they're embracing this like weird fantasy cyber future where there's a bunch of dudes in a car driving around and then fighting big ass stuff. That's really cool to me. But I cannot get that game until I know if people like you who have a history at these games like it or not. Because I just, I can't invest myself into a game that big and that gnarly if it's not great. Just not going to do it. 
Yeah, I think it's it's also on the uh, let's wait for reviews for me um, on the buy list, but yeah, not instant buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a game that might be an instant buy for you, uh, since you live in a part of the U.S. where I understand this happens all the time, is Farming Simulator 17. Yeah. Uh, you know? um, no. I, I, I just <laughs> I put the trailer here because in the notes because Farming Simulator, for people who don't know, it is incredibly successful, and it's literally what it says. It's a farming simulator it lets you you know buy different machines and and trucks and farm animals like the big upgrade to farming simulator 17 the big new feature is that you have pigs that you can you know buy and breed and and stuff like that and you you water your crops and you use fertilizer and it's like It seems really well done. Like graphically, it's great. It's very complex. You have, uh, tr- you know, uh, uh, infra- infrastructure, transportation infrastructure, important for the game. And I just don't understand. It's as I said, it's usually successful. I'm just not sure who plays it. Yeah, Now, it's it's um, it's very popular game? and it's super weird. So I have this game. I should. <laughs> I don't know what this says about me, but I have a game called Forklift Simulator 2. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> apparently, and, uh, there's a there's a VR, VR version of that that was showcased at uh, at Gamescom. So, oh my lord, really? Okay, I didn't see that. That sounds awesome. Um, so it's I have it on iOS and I have it on Steam, and it's basically it's literally what it sounds like. You're in this like big empty sort of warehouse area, and it says, "Oh, over here's the thing you got to go pick up with your forklift." So you drive over there, you pick it up, and then it gives you a destination. Go put them over here, and it's an endless loop of that. Just constantly picking stuff up and moving it somewhere else. And I love that game. And I have a theory that that's why these farming sim games are so popular. Because they're just, there's something about the the accomplishment of the tasks that are given you that is in themselves satisfying. And uh, there are probably a lot of other examples you could look at. Harvest Moon makes you do a bit of that. Certainly the new uh, Stardew Valley game is a lot like this. But I think games that give you simple tasks... And lets you complete them in a way that isn't frustrating uh, are weirdly addicting, and I think that's what some people even like about No Man's Sky because that that game is nothing but a, the same eight things you do in a row every time you go to a planet and then go to the next planet. And there's something weirdly satisfying for a lot of people, not everyone, but I'm not surprised that game's done really well. And I don't think it's that shocking. I think I think the idea of running your own farm. And accomplishing something in this virtual world is, is uh, you know, there's something enchanting there. Yeah. I, I tried the uh, 14 or 15 version of it on the 3DS. So maybe 3DS is not the best platform to experience that game. But it's to the level that I'd be curious to to try it out just to see what it is. But um, right. um, there was a fantastic troll at Gamescom. I'm just going to mention it because it's so funny. There was a giant poster uh, that was uh, basically showing the letters Half-Life 3 with a little bit of text under it. And it was a, a German publication saying Half-Life colon three editors who played the, the <laughs> game and uh, tell you what they thought back, wow. you know, 10 years later, or 20 years <laughs> later. I thought that was funny. That's pretty cool. Um, another troll is the South Park. Did you see this? <laughs> no. The accessory? No? Okay. Um, no. 
let me find the name of that uh, accessory that um, Ubisoft developed for South Park, the fractured butthole. It's called <laughs> the Nauseous Rift. And it's a device that you put on your face, on your nose, um, that basically creates the fragrances that you can experience in the game, including uh, fart fart uh, uh, smells, obviously, because it's South Park. And they made a series of like three videos uh, explaining like super high-end, uh, you know, tech company developing a product that they love video um, for that thing. And I, I thought it was going to be dumb, but just like everything nauseating that uh, South Park does, for some reason, it works and it's just funny. Yes. So yeah, the the Nauseous Rift is available for to try in trade shows. Wow, that's amazing! I had no idea that that was an actual thing. <laughs> yeah, it actually works. It's not just they they're not going to sell it, uh, unfortunately. But the videos are are just just Google Nauseous Rift and you'll have a couple of laughs. That first um, that first game, real good. I actually have high hopes for that game. I think it's going to be good. Yeah, it's looking it's looking pretty good for sure um the awards we're going to talk more about uh maybe a little bit more quickly about the rest of uh gamescom but um the awards were awarded and uh the best game of the show is legend of zelda breath of the wild so people seem to like it yeah yeah that game continues to be high on my radar as well and there's one thing i wanted to ask you about this actually it's a good transit or not transition but just a small offshoot point this is designed to be a launch title for the NX, whatever that is. And well, they also, haven't confirmed it, but yeah. Well, they haven't, but that's been the talk. And if that's true, oh wait, yes, they have confirmed it. Am I? They yeah, confirmed I'm, it. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that and also being available for the Wii U. This is like a this is like a, a flashback to GameCube and Wii Twilight launch Princess, day. Yeah. Twilight Princess. I would have thought they had learned something about that. Like that seemed like a bad move. Like then didn't sell well, was confusing. There was market weird stuff going on. Why are they doing that again? Because the as as little as the GameCube had sold, uh the Wii U has sold a fraction of that. No one cares if it comes out on Wii U or not. No one cares. It sold so little, it's not going to matter at all. What matters is that they want to sell the NX. And a lot of people are going to buy the NX only for that game. And I'm sure for the other games that are going to come out um, on that new platform. But um, no, they, if they were to put it out on NX, it would be a wasted five years of development. It, they they can't just release it on that console. It's impossible. It's, yeah. you know, that's why. I mean, they're going to do it. But yeah, but not they, exclusively on the on the Wii U. If it, oh, sorry, did I say NX? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd I be meant you stay obviously. Yeah, but. yeah, exactly. But so your argument would be that you didn't. They shouldn't release it on Wii U. Yeah, they should just straight up. I mean, I, I oh, that would be a betraying of the trust of people who have bought the Wii U. They can't do that either. Well, I guess they can't because originally the game was slated for Wii U exactly, only, and that's the next stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess that yeah. they would really be screwing with things. It's yeah. too bad that they didn't just announce it for the NX in the first place, and that'd be a huge system seller on its own. It still will, but yeah, yeah. good, good point. 
Uh, Destiny Rise of Iron is the best add-on or DLC, according to uh, Gamescom, the the official panel of people who decide those things. Uh, best preview, Horizon Zero Dawn. Award for for best booth. There is such a thing, if you if you can believe it. Mafia Three. So they got oh. something to Mafia Three. Uh, there's a bunch of other things there. Um, nothing too incredible, honestly. Um, but then we move into alphas. Uh, Paragon is free to play now, so you can. It, there's an open beta uh, free to play uh, available. You can go try that. There's a beta for or alpha for For Honor, which I still somewhat have hopes for. I, I really hope they get this uh, melee combat thing right. Uh, the the alpha starts September 15th, so in less than a month, and the game releases fe- February 14th. Um, so you might want to try that as well at that point. And Titanfall is in the middle, or I guess it's over now, um, of its uh, open alpha pre-alpha test is what they're calling it it's a multiplayer only and there's another um, weekend coming next weekend from the 25th to the 28th and it's available on xbox one and ps4 the game releases october 28th have you had time to um try the alpha alpha test no um i've been hearing things though that are good um okay i'm very interested in that game like i'll i'll say that right up front in fact you know, you're talking earlier about, you know, outer space Call of Duty and whether or not that's going to hold our attention. It may not matter because maybe this is the one I'm going to be playing that time anyway. You know, so I did try the uh, it's funny. They they tell you this is a pre alpha test test. Uh, don't think that this is the game. There are many things that are not like a million times. There's 15 yeah. disclaimers. I'm telling you, if your game is coming out in two months, you're not in pre-alpha stage. <laughs> or if you yeah. are, you have a problem. This is not a pre-alpha. This is a beta test. So yeah. anyway. Um, I've heard that as well. Like it's almost Blizzard ready kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it feels like it's polished and nice. Looks great. It looks great. I'm sure there's tuning to do, of course. But um, I'm not, you know, I tried a couple of games. So no, it's not you know, conclusive uh, review or anything like that. It's just one or two games impressions. I'm, I think I'm going to get the game for the single player campaign and Mm -hmm. the multiplayer, the issues that existed in the original game, which didn't hold people's attention uh, multiplayer wise. I don't know. It's just one game, but it didn't grab me in a way that made me feel like, the wall running is feels a little bit easier. The the grappling hook seems fun. The different the different uh, types of mechs are also interesting, but it didn't immediately feel incredibly different from the first one. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll okay. See. Yeah, the campaign is what I'm most interested in, though. Like if yeah. uh, people think, oh, Scott, what about multiplayer? Don't care. Not really interested in that particular game's multiplayer. Although you know, probably going to be great. But I I want a campaign about these mechs, about what all that world is. I want more world building. Like that's very, very interesting to me. Yeah. First game Bunch. was very disappointing in that way. But anyway. Uh yeah, there was no <laughs> single player at all. So yeah. I mean they they that that hybrid thing, it wasn't there was no multiplayer. Um, HD remakes, a bunch of them. Uh, Bioshock Collection releases se- September 13th, and there's going to be Bioshock 1, 2, and Infinite. Um, Assassin's Creed Ezio, uh, Ezio, Ezio, Ezio. 
collection Ezio. Uh, has yeah. been rated. That, so that's kind of a rumor, but it wouldn't be surprising um, if it if it arrived as well at some point. That you know, Ezio collection will probably be uh, the second one, uh, the the trilogy of the second one. Mass Effect uh, remasters are apparently on the way they're likely on the way and uh ea has said something very interesting they they mentioned uh i think last year or the year before that they weren't going to focus on remasters or hd remakes but rather uh create new games which i think was incredibly uh commendable for uh, on their part but apparently they're sort of reversing uh their thinking now because the um HD remasters are so successful and every other publisher has been putting out uh some of them at least a few and they sell well because people are excited to play them so i guess scott a couple of questions are between mass effect assassin's creed bioshock uh, are there any that are that you're interested in and I think a lot of people think that HD remakes are kind of dirty, like it's lazy to do an HD remake and we want some original things. Um, so what are your, your thoughts on HD remakes and, as a whole? Well, I think that if there wasn't a market for it, they wouldn't be doing it. Um, I know I've been tempted with a few things. I know, for example, we talked about Skyrim earlier. I am absolutely getting that Skyrim remastered thing. Uh, no question about it. And I don't even know why. I don't really have a good reason. Um, <laughs> It's just the same ass game with some nice graphical upgrades, and that's enough for me, I guess. And I kind of want to just get into that world fresh again and and do a new build and just see how that game feels. So, so I'm a sucker for it when it's the game I'm interested in, and I think that's kind of the the deal. These companies look at this and go, "All right, well, who's got nostalgia for what, and what is what are they going to be willing to pay for that?" Um, they had, and I think this was EA also, maybe it wasn't EA, but anyway, they had really good luck with the the. Uh, HDification of those um, Baldur's Gate games. Those both did really well on Steam uh, and on PC. And um, I think it's just too tempting like to say that, hey, we'll do it for 20 bucks. That seems like a reasonable price. Here's this old game you loved. Oh, and if you missed it the first time, now try it in, you know, on modern systems and consoles and computers. If there wasn't a market, they wouldn't do it. I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, I'd like them to be focused on new IPs also, but I don't think there's anything wrong with with digging back. Like I've heard nothing but universal excitement for Starcraft One and Brood War being remade as as it's currently rumored. Um, if that's true, then why is that any different than any of these other things? I think that I think that sometimes we give some companies a pass for it and others not because we have fond feelings for the game we're talking about. And, yeah, I and think it's um, it feels like Mass Effect just happened. Maybe maybe that's why people are weird with it. But I don't have a problem with it. It's, there's obviously enough people there with interest that it makes business sense for them to do it. I think there's definitely something to the, you know, these past 15 years, 10, let's say 10 years have been incredibly prolific games wise. There are so many more games that there were before that it's very easy to miss a few major ones. So Mm -hmm. of course there are going to be the people who love them, who are going to, who might want to go and buy them again, but there are also people who miss them on the PlayStation 2 or PlayStation 3 or, you know, Xbox 360, obviously, and who might think, you know what? I missed it back then. Everyone says it's awesome. I'm going to play it now. Not everyone can play the the 50 awesome, incredible games that come out during the year. Oh, let's even say, you know, there are 10 must-played games during the year. Not everyone's going to have time to play all of those. And it's been very common that there were 10 games you could 
easily spend your money and time on um, if you were so inclined. So I think that's one factor. And the other thing is, I'm I'm with you, Scott. If if that's not the only thing they do, it's like movies. A lot of people complain about remakes uh, for movies, and. If that was the only thing Hollywood ever did, yes, it would be frustrating. But it's not. There are new movies all the time. There are new games all the time. There are new franchises all the time. And if they do both, I don't see why we should be, you know, poo-pooing uh, one of those, especially when some of the games deserve it. And certainly games like Bioshock uh, 1 deserves to be, you know shown in its best light or maybe replayed for some people uh assassin's creed was pretty good the 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 second series or assassin's 2 trilogy mass effect for sure i loved the first one yeah, yeah why not i don't have any problem with it and also players that get upset i think they have a sneaking feeling and i think this is just misplaced but i think they feel like oh well if they're putting resources into making a redo or a hdification of an existing game from five, six years ago, that means that those same people who are doing that work would otherwise be building some hot new franchise. And I don't think that's the case. You're, you're not really talking about, you're talking about some advanced porting really is all that's going on here. So there might be some engine tweaking. There might be some stuff to, to build assets out so that they scale well to HD or whatever the, the changes or tweaks have to be, but we're not talking about full game development. A lot of this stuff is just carrying those things forward And I think people are conflating that that job is the same, that those jobs are being filled by people who would otherwise be creating the next great yeah. game. And I well, don't think that's the same people. So first of all, all of those games are available on PC and all consoles today are basically PC architecture. So the porting is relatively easy, not super easy, but I'm sure it takes some work, but it's not like uh, maybe another side of this is the company would be spending is spending money on this instead of on some new franchises. And it's it doesn't hold up. It's like a, a burger joint is going to sell you some fries because you can buy both. Or, you know, different people are going to buy the different the, the, the different products. You're not going to stop making burgers because you're making fries. So, right. <laughs> you know, they're just trying to make money. And if they spend $10 million, a million dollar remaking uh, Mass Effect, they're going to be making, you know, a million on a million uh, dollars, let's say two million revenue, a million dollars in, in their pockets. They're yeah. going to spend that money. And then they're also going to spend 10 million or way more doing a new franchise. Why not? Yeah, no, I yeah. totally agree. It's, it's just, uh, it's just gamers get weird and I don't know why. I know people who complain about this stuff and buy them weird. anyway. Yeah, people get weird generally, but I don't know. For whatever reason, that crowd's a little more amplified. But I, I know people who are complaining about this very thing and are going to buy them anyway. Yeah, probably. So, um, like, I know it for a fact, and that, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I think it's a much ado about nothing. If these weren't making money, they wouldn't do them. You know, speaking of Blizzard again, they've hired an entire team of retrofitters, basically, for their classic games. I think it's a great thing. Why not? Well, uh, it's time again for Patrick's Fighting Game Corner. Uh, we don't have a, 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 a jingle for that. Never no. mind. Should, though. Patrick's 100 hand slap. No. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> well, one, sh one thing's for sure. When I look at you, I certainly want to slap people. Uh, But yeah, exactly. Uh, Street Fighter V is uh, getting more rage-quitting penalties, so that's that's good because people still 
rage quit on that game because they my suspicion is that the netcode doesn't allow the 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 system to know who quit the game and i think that's why it took so long for them to do this it's that they they just know the game ended they just they don't know who interrupted it which is ridiculously dumb as design I, we don't have confirmation but it, it's the only explanation i can think of which would explain why it took so long but uh more importantly the the daily missions quests are arriving in september so you'll be able to earn more money uh, like that but i'm wondering if it's not too late for that game um, Tekken 7 uh, has Li Chaolan uh, that was revealed. It's going to be coming out. Uh, we just got a rumor, uh, a leak uh, for end of uh, February 2017 for the release of that game on consoles. So I'm looking forward to that. We're getting Harley Quinn and Deadshot in Injustice 2. That game was fun. It was wacky and weird, but uh, I'm not sure I want a second one, especially after that movie. <coughs> You know what's funny is the was we were talking about this on Rally Point. The sales numbers for Street Fighter Five are about a million and a half between PlayStation and PC combined, whereas a game like Mortal Kombat X uh, or even the un, uh, the Injustice Injustice games were in like the ten to twelve million range of games sold. Wow! And yeah, like it's so weird because Street Fighter, without a doubt, is considered to be the pinnacle of the competitive scene. That's where everybody wants to. That, you well, know, that's it is. Where the big focus is it is the competitive scene and nobody there's I mean, there's tournaments and little stuff, but nobody's playing hardcore competitive Mortal Kombat yet. The sales numbers don't reflect, you know, it's it's a weird it's, it's just a weird dichotomy. And well, it's because use. Mortal Kombat is kind of like Injustice. You play it a few. Most people are going to buy it, play it a few times with their friends and scream and, you know, be disgusted at the fatalities. And for Injustice, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe Superman punched you into the sun. Oh, my God, that's so insane. And it's funny, but you don't play it for a long time. Street Fighter, you play it for a really long time if you're into it. And there's no question that they botched uh, Street Fighter V. It's it's appalling what they did with that game that had so much potential because they put it out too early and it wasn't cooked um, for competitive scene reasons, actually, which is incredibly frustrating. But um, yeah, so that 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 happened. Um, but oh, and King of Fighters is also coming out in like tomorrow for you guys in the US and in a couple of days for us in Europe. What, and what's that's your take on that weird Pokémon thing, that Pokémon Tekken thing. Oh, Pokémon tournament? That's old. It's I don't care about Pokémon and yeah. that game doesn't really look like it's anything other than Pokémon's There's pe- a lot Pokemon of talk. Thing. There's a lot of talk about it rising in the ranks of competitive play and really? people yeah, it's and it's already okay. sold more than Street Fighter 5. So <laughs> everything has sold more than Street Fighter 5. <laughs> Um, I think they were aiming for like 3 million and they sold one or something like that. I can't remember. I had the numbers at some point, but it was a ridiculous target miss like that. But uh, um, So yeah, King of Fighters is getting good reviews. I'm very happy about that. I'm going to be getting it. Obviously, I've, I've talked about it a lot. It is incredibly... I, it makes me incredibly happy that SNK is managing to come back out of the darkness. Um, hopefully, they will sell that game enough that they can make another one and uh, that they can do something about the graphics. Um, but yeah, and so what about Injustice Two? Are you uh, uh, actually what I want to ask is what did you think of Suicide Squad? That's oh, that's my I question. still haven't seen that movie. Um, oh, okay. I, my kids saw it and and liked it. They didn't love it, but they they thought it was okay. 
Okay, not- I think you need to talk to your kids, Scott. <laughs> I mean, they basically said, look, Dad, it's not like the 13% or whatever it is on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not that bad, but it's but it's not great, they said. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they're under no illusions that it was a good movie. I think they right. just were lightly entertained. But um, that kind of made it, all the horrible reviews and friends like you who were like, dude, this is garbage. Uh, has has made me not all that motivated to to catch a viewing, so I'll probably not end up seeing that till you know video or Netflix or something. That yeah, probably. You, I I'd be curious to to hear what you thought of it once you've seen it. But uh, so the game, I, I I have a feeling that it was fun for the first one. I'm wondering if they can make it. You know, the same fun is going to work a second time because the game was as a fighting game was somewhat weak and there wasn't as much fun in it as there was as there is in Mortal Kombat so maybe they've expanded on it but it's also pretty weird to see Harley Quinn you know hit Superman with a baseball bat and that working but yeah, um, have that be effective yeah, yeah. but and i mean another, yeah whatever. they tried to explain that with the the weird super virus or whatever the crap was going on in the first game yeah of course they did but and yeah. it was dumb though it never and, worked for- yeah it's but i mean the game was fun it's fine and harley quinn is is an amazing character and i really like her so but anyway. yeah they have it, it has its fans it'll do fine um the uh you know the big question is Will it spawn another successful comic spinoff? Because they did an Injustice comic spinoff from it. Oh, they did. Uh, he did, and it was fantastic. Really, really good. So, um, better than the game. So, I hope that happens again, is all I'm saying. Blizzard Corner. Uh, Blizzard, Blizzard, Blizzard. We're fanboys. So, we're going to talk just a little bit about Blizzard. Uh, if you want to hear more about Blizzard stuff, the instance for World of Warcraft and other things, uh, the Angry Chicken for overwatch uh no no that's not the game for no. hearthstone and overwatchers for overwatch uh both old podcasts we are in involved in uh, to some extent um but yeah there was a, a bunch of stuff you were saying it's kind of blizzcon light uh yeah. and there was uh new heroes and new modes new maps for uh heroes of the storm a new map for overwatch um details for season two there was the the short the bastion short movie for overwatch as well and uh the contents of the first uh patch after the expansion that hasn't come out yet uh for world of warcraft so the expansion comes out in a week oh my god it's only a week no Um, and and they talked about the the content for the patch that comes after that so it was it was a lot of uh, a lot of stuff it was surprising i mean they always have something for for uh, Gamescom, but uh, I think one thing that made it even more exciting was all of the video production they had included with our good friend Terpster, because having worked on those stages and on those uh, showings, we always had a lot of stuff happening at Gamescom. It was a huge uh, endeavor for the European team. It was to put Gamescom together, and it was a, a, a significant amount of work you know it was it was always a lot of stuff but this time it seemed like it was more yeah it did to me too i um like when i say blizzcon junior only barely like it, it felt like a uh, you know it felt like a lot of blizzcon feels which is a lot of great stage moments really good announcements uh it's clear that they are you know they're holding something for blizzcon they have to it's their big event i don't know what that is although we have a hint from the diablo twitter account that 
hinted hinted at something. Um, yeah, they, basically, they they if if there's no expansion or Diablo Four after that one tweet, everyone's going to be super disappointed. That's really like you can't do that if you don't have something to announce. If it's just the the you know Diablo remake, Diablo One remake, it's cool, but it doesn't warrant a tweet that says. BlizzCon is going to be really cool after someone asks a question about Diablo 4 to that Twitter account. I so, completely agree, unless yeah. they're t- really screwing with us. I I have a theory. Well, I haven't talked about this theory, so I'll just say it quickly and then people can stew on it. But I have a theory that this isn't about a proper expansion or even a new game. I think that whatever comes next for Diablo is about extending the life of it in the way that they do their other games now. It will be... Uh, tweaked engine, upgraded graphics, some new classes and characters, but Diablo will continue to be a thing that just is there and grows. But that and would be an expansion, though. They would have to. Would it do though? That. Does it have to be? Can it be run like an MMO in a way? Can't they just put out stuff? I guess they still have expansions for their MMOs. So, I, so I'm 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 niggling with words here a little bit, but but and uh, also MMOs you play you pay to play on a regular basis. This. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But I'm still, but see, they've already kind of been doing that is my point. Like every season is a ton of new content. In some cases, drastically new content. Kanai's cube was no small thing. They put whole new zones in, like they're putting well, enough, con- all that stuff, you know, and that's all been free. None of that costs. Yeah, but I, I'd argue this is content that gives stuff to do to the, to the people who are still playing. It's not stuff that brings back people who have stopped playing and for something to warrant everyone's interest. I think it would be, something that at least brings people back um but i suspect you're you're right about that i but i suspect they're gonna i suspect we're gonna be surprised by a different direction and it may not okay. even be one i can think of but i think that there's i think that we're gonna see a move away from the old model which is new game expansion seven more years new game expand i don't think they're gonna do that anymore i think so something- basically what you're saying is they're gonna they're gonna do diablo infinite and it's gonna be in space i'm in i'm in now you've um, <laughs> but yeah so lots of stuff at at gamescom and the bastion short i mean oh my god so good i i i almost cried um oh, patrick they got crying what the heck I, I can't even i can't even picture that it was uh basically I think, I mean, I mentioned it on the instance, but I, I was incredibly surprised at how amazing the company, a company that makes video games is at making uh, emotional short movies. It's, yeah. it, as I said that uh, on that show, they've always done badass stuff. And I think in, in, uh, it's probably easy to do badass. I mean, it's easier uh, to do badass than to do emotional. And they've done badass video intros for a very long time. And they've done that very well with uh, technical expertise, unrivaled and, you know, fight scenes and stuff that looked like you wanted to play the game. But they haven't done emotion, or at least to that extent, as they have with Overwatch and with the intro and with this uh, short specifically. And it's like small features of animation and... Every I saw a tweet go by saying every uh, uh, freeze frame from that video is a is a wallpaper for your desktop. It's so beautiful yeah. and it's really it nice, amazing. Even the war st- even the war torn bits. Um, I said this on the show and and uh, on the instance, so I, I don't necessarily want to repeat it here. People want to hear me go deep on that; they can. But 
Um, even since we did that episode, I keep hearing from like actual war veterans who uh, have just praised this thing for being on point and tone tone perfect for what it means to feel a sense of PTSD or have that kind of you've seen some terrible stuff and now you're supposed to just get along in normal society again and, and how that stuff can set you off and how sounds and smells and sights can put you in a weird place. And they all talk about how they feel like that was handled with like somebody there knew and just handled it with real respect. And that's something you don't normally get out of your video game, short film work or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is awesome. It is so good. I can't wait for whatever's next. They've got more that they're working on. Um, I've seen more Bastion in the game since then. <laughs> it has this funny effect of like, ah, he's not so bad. He's sweet now. I'm going to play him more. And he is all over the damn place. Um, everybody's using that skin with the dirt on him when they get the plays of the game. Like, it's super funny to see that effect in the, in the game in the last, you know, week or so. But yeah, it's really something special. They're, they're killing it. Uh, there was also the first major tournament organized by ESL and sponsored by Blizzard. It was $100,000 for Overwatch. And I watched a bunch of it. And uh, I actually uh, had my wife also watch the finals. And I think both for me and definitely for her, it was really hard to follow. And I've played that game for hundreds of hours. And I enjoyed it. But I acknowledged, and even me, and I've I've tweeted this and I've had responses from players who know the game as well i i didn't follow it i didn't understand what was happening and it's super hard to follow and there are you know 12 people doing important things at the same time and i don't know if they can do it you know with different tools for the the broadcasters or if they can you know use i I suggested uh, something that they sometimes do in other uh, tournaments including valve i believe for the international a couple of years ago a noob stream where for this, they would have more static cameras, you know, overhead cameras, and maybe people explaining what's happening to noobs that would be annoying to uh, pro players. I think I would go watch that stream because I, it was first person with 12 people at the same time is super, super hard to follow. Yeah, you, so. know, you know a lot about the game, and, and even you oh, yeah. were, and the casters are lost. Like we had, we interviewed a caster on Rally Point who, who expressed this exact problem, and they even. So apparently Blizzard has had open meetings with casters and with, um, uh, you know, people that they would have there doing color commentary to say, we want to build what you guys want out of the tools so that this is a better game to, to watch um, and not just play. And so it seems to me that Blizzard's very interested in doing that. I wish more of that stuff was out now, but they could learn a thing or two from Valve. Valve's client for CSGO is all kinds of uh versatile when it comes to this stuff static cameras overhead views tactical overlays you know like all these abilities to see what's happening who's putting out what damage and when like there's a there's a real opportunity here for blizzard to make that uh, a much more transparent thing and not just the chaos it looks like right now and i'll bet they do but in typical fashion they're just slow with it yeah for sure i mean i'm sure we're going to see an observer mode revamp patch at some point um but csgo has the advantage that at some point during the game you only have a few players left and and at some point at that point the the tension is easier to to you know feel whereas in overwatch it's always 12 players uh you know shooting at each other so i don't know how much there i guess i got a little bit worried for the the wider esports you know, appeal of the game after having actually followed a bunch of games at a, at a competitive level. It was still exciting for me, 
but it's not it's really too hard to follow for it to to grow significantly i think outside of the very dedicated players but yeah um, i i agree it's going to take some time they need to refine that if they yeah. want it to blow up but and they and you know this is this year is kind of a you know it's too soon to do a proper year long tournament so they're doing the big open thing and like they did with hearthstone its first year and heroes its first year and so it's totally fine um i think what'll happen though as you as we get into like proper full-blown lots of money tournament play next year there that's when we'll start seeing these tools roll out and hopefully it rolls out for everybody i'd like to have better observer tools just when i'm watching my friends for sure uh did you follow the international talking about i did some Uh, i watched a bunch of it they um Dota's interesting. I'd seen the International a few years ago and found it to be one of the longest, most boring games I'd ever seen. And I have that uh, that problem with League of Legends. I just find those games incredibly boring. Uh, they take forever. They're 45 minutes and nothing seems to ever happen. However, um, it looks like, and I don't know all the ins and outs and nuances, but it looks like Dota's made a ton of changes in that time to the actual game to make it a much more watchable and also exciting sort of uh affair and it's it, i had a really good time watching what i watched i didn't get to watch the entire uh the entire series of games but they put on a hell of a show there and had record money this year and the attendance million, of, yeah. yeah it's crazy that's just crazy and it's mostly crowdfunded which is also interesting nobody else is really doing that uh, i've got a lot of thoughts on rally point about you know <laughs> what would it take for somebody like blizzard or whatever to get into that and there's so many liabilities like it's a crazy world there they're they're doing there but yeah the international continues to be quite the phenomenon and it's it's um it's not a game i really like playing but i sure enjoyed watching it more this time than i have in years past all right i think that's gonna wrap it up for gamescom plus um and uh very quickly before we move on to uh the the rest of the program uh comment by yellow flower bwr what does bwr stand for a big weird Rodney, I don't know. Probably, that's probably what it is. But uh, <laughs> from the US, uh, as a gamer who tends to be more on the casual side, I was looking for something with more information than I would normally find on my own. So I could still talk games with my more hardcore friends. This is perfect for that. Lots of information, but still accessible for casuals and very entertaining. Always interesting to hear things from international points of view as well. Thank you very much, uh, big something rodney was it uh yellow (laughs) yellow flower thank you very much for that comment if you too wish to give us a hand well you can go leave leave comments or just you know tweet about the show or uh facebook or social media in general that always helps thank you especially these rad ones where i'm guesting on here yeah those are the best yeah, they're really good. Um, so I want to talk about No Man's Sky, but uh, very quickly before that, Facebook is building basically a Steam for initially for its own game. They're partnering with Unity, uh, but initially it's for little Facebook games. And then probably they're going to include bigger games and VR games, I'm guessing, since they own uh, Oculus. that. Very small for the moment, but it could become a, a significant force in the gaming world. So... That's one to follow uh, relatively closely. Sure. I don't know what their long-term plans are, but I have a theory that Facebook is about to get real serious about this stuff. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by this particular uh, setup. This, this particular move is just a, an interesting first step towards something that could be huge. And we, we theorized last night um, that it's possible 
if there is a company that has the the money coffers and the ability to actually challenge with raw numbers what steam has been able to carve out over 10 years it could be them could be it's funny that microsoft isn't managing to do it but maybe facebook will Um, PlayStation 4 Slim is real. It was just uh, leaked and then confirmed by Eurogamer. Uh, They basically saw an actual unit. It's obviously a little bit smaller, as you would expect. And uh, it could be revealed on September 7th uh, with the PlayStation Neo. Apparently, Sony is going to have a big reveal in New York for both of those uh, devices. So Yeah, the 7th, I believe. Same as Apple Day. It's going to be a big, crazy day that day. Or at least we think Apple that day but by the way ps4 slim sounds like a great rapper name i just wanted to mention that (laughs) doesn't it ps4 slim take the stage drop the mic son yeah i think you're just first of all that (laughs) didn't sound right and second of all it's just slim shady that's that that's the only reason that's why okay xbox slim does it no, do the same. no, maybe I, not. Actually, maybe there is something to PS. Something about the PS, the the initials and a number, and you know, just so making what? It all. What would PS stand for for a rapper? Uh, uh, player, player sauce one. Player, player sauce four. Slim, <laughs> Petty Steve. Oh, okay. Maybe. No, maybe not. All right. Um, PlayStation Now is coming to PC. PlayStation Now is game streaming. Um, you know, video like game streaming, you stream the video and they have a bunch of PlayStation 3 games and a bunch of other things. And Microsoft just bought a, a game streaming platform called Beam. So it's happening, people. I mean, it's already there, but it, I think this is a really interesting move. We're seeing the possibility to see some PlayStation games on the PC. And obviously, it's not going to compete with uh, the PlayStation 4 right now, especially with the new model and the same with with the Microsoft uh, Scorpio that's going to come out in a year or so. But I think down the line, maybe a, a couple of, you know, three, four or five years from now, it could become something even more, you know, um, even more used and, and actually playing some games, not all of them, but paying for a Netflix of games rather than buying a 400 bucks console that you have yeah. to upgrade every, every few years. We're not there yet. I remember if you would have asked me in 1998, the idea of that's how I would get my video entertainment is pay up subscription and I wouldn't care about having discs anymore. I would have said, you're crazy. Like that sounds like a crazy idea. We're never going to be there. Well, guess what? We're there and I am completely in on that. So I am not going to poo-poo this idea. I think one day we will find a way to, to, to that will make sense. All the bandwidth will be right. The reliability will be right. Everything about it will be right. And we won't have to make big compromises. And when that day comes, then that will make perfect sense. Certainly we're not there yet. Um, the bigger thing though is I hope this PlayStation tech will allow people to stream both directions. I want to be able to stream PC games out to my PlayStation on the television as as much or more than I would the other direction. And I think Microsoft's plan is similar. And in fact, can't you do that now? With an, I don't have an Xbox one, so I don't know this for sure, but yeah, yeah. Can I can't. I, I, I think PCs you can, or if you can't, then you, you probably can soon. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm fairly sure you kind of can. I know you can play your uh, Xbox games on the PC, that's already yeah. the case, but there's no reason why you can't do the other I, way I around. I think the reverse is true as well, because that yeah, that's yeah. a that's a very valuable thing. And given Sony's you know install base, that could be really good for them. So I hope they. Uh, Nvidia has announced the GTX uh, 1000 series for laptops, which are apparently almost as powerful as the desktop 
series, which I'll wait and actually, you know, for me to see it myself before I believe it. Um, but that could be, I mean, the thing is, you're probably going to have to have a, a power brick the size of your laptop if you want to power that kind of chip on your on your laptop. But um, yeah, yeah, why not? If you want a gaming laptop, then there you go. Yep. And uh, Intel is getting in on the virtual reality headset game. They have the Project Alloy, which, yeah, everyone's in on VR and uh, Intel is one more. Cool. Yeah, and they're and they're claiming this is mixed reality, so it will. Yeah, so blah, blah, I don't blah. even know what that means. You know, it's well, like I do. I think it's going to mean in the initial goings, these first few years of people who are claiming to have quote unquote mixed mixed reality uh, headsets, we are going to see a lot of half assery on both sides. It's going to be master it's of AR none. and VR at the same time, and they have cameras to show you what's in front of you. Yeah, and you can switch back and forth. Some things would be all VR. Some things would be a mix. Some would be all AR. Like the idea is that there, 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 there will one day not be, there'll be small light glasses you'll wear that'll just do everything. And that makes sense to me. I understand the, the future of this, but this first set or this first wave is going to be jank, jank, a jank, I think. Well, I'm telling you that uh, marketing video that they showed for their mixed reality thing yeah. All entirely BS. It is ridiculous. There's nothing in it. Yep. So I, I I believe those videos as much as I believe the Magic Leap ones, although I've heard some people who've used Magic Leap that claim that it's dang close, but I don't buy any of that crap till I see it on my head. No, but I mean I mean Magic Leap maybe, but the, the mixed reality thing that Intel is showing, you watch yeah. the video, it is nothing new. It's either AR or VR, and that's it. That, yep. That's already, you know, we already have all of this. So it's significant because it's Intel getting in on that um, on that and game. And wireless, which is an important note for that yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a big deal for a lot of people anyway. Yeah, no, we of got, course, but... We got to get to a place where they're, they've, they've, they're as big as like Ray-Ban sunglasses and we're done. <laughs> it's got to be that or else forget it. I think it's going to be to a place where it's like uh, Mad Max uh, goggles very yeah. quickly but getting it down to actual sunglasses that's going to be way far out yeah if you guys could hurry up on that before we get to actual <laughs> mad max times that'd be great that would be awesome yeah. uh nomansky nomansky uh, so who should go first uh you should you should go first i want to hear the french perspective okay. on this thing i think this game Basically, the one question that everyone's been asking about No Man's Sky is, is it actually a game? Like, is it a full price game with gameplay elements? Is it fun to play? And I think that really doesn't matter. I don't think that's the, the that's not the quest question uh, that is going to make or break that thing that is No Man's Sky. I really think that the important part of No Man's Sky is the fact that we are getting a sort of accessible and incredibly wide and, and large and, and explorable sort of galaxy simulator. And I have a hard time remembering when there was another game that could realize the fantasy of actual space exploration, which includes planetary landing and uh, <laughs> taking off from the planet and you actually are on that planet and you you get off the planet and you you reach you know uh, escape velocity and you see another planet you can go to that planet and land on it and there is going to be stuff uh 
on that other planet. Yeah. Now, is that <laughs> other planet interesting? <laughs> no, it isn't. It's it's probably you know for all of the procedure uh, procedural designing of the entire galaxy you still have to have you know it can't be completely random because you have to have on each planet enough material that you can uh, refuel your ship if for some reason you get stranded there because if you can't refuel then it's not very fun you're just on that planet forever and you're dead um there are, you know, a certain number of species on each planet. You have some outposts and you have, you know, the thing, the reality is a large part of the value of that uh, experience. I'm even reluctant to call it a game. It, it is it is a game, but it's more on, on the experience side than on the game side. A lot of the value of that thing is the joy of discovery and exploration. If that is not something that in itself... You know, if you don't look at the the you know the different the different systems in the galaxy and think, oh my god, that's a lot of stuff, and and I want to go there, then you're not going to enjoy the game for sure. There is very little else in that in that thing, but yeah. that already the fact that you can you know the very initial fantasy that they were selling us no matter how you know there's a lot of debate about what they promised what they didn't do that's game development shut up it's just that's the way it goes um and you didn't have to buy it you know day one without actually seeing the reviews if you did it's your fault but the fact that you can take off from a planet and leave and and turn around and see the curvature of that planet and then go into space and go to another one that is the fantasy that got all of us excited initially and it is delivered and and that is the fact that this exists is what's important about this game the, 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 this game should exist this experience should exist whether or not it's a good game is maybe an important question but a very different one and it doesn't matter all that much to me but um I'm not sure how comfortable I am with all this agreeing I'm doing with you today because I agree <laughs> with your assessment completely. Um, I've put 30 plus hours into the game. I think I might be done with it. Um, and here's oh, why. That's a good chunk of time, though. It's a good chunk of time. Most games, you don't get near that time out of it. So it's not like I didn't get my money's worth. But there is a point where I started to realize that I was doing the same eight basic tasks to get to where I wanted to go. Uh, and then you start to you start to realize, oh, okay, well, the terraforming on these planets might all be different every time, but these plants are the same. They're colored different. That formation's the same. It's colored different. These pyres and pillars are the same. They're just colored or textured different. Um, these creatures are, you know, weirdly spore-like, and they and that one looked like a penis. That one looks like a horse. Like, what's that one? I don't know. Penis horse. Like, you know, there's always these combinations, but for the most part, big majestic dinosaurs and stuff like the original trailers, They're they're not. And you start to realize, okay, well, these are a little samey. Then you realize that every camp is kind of the same. It's either a pod with an upgrade to your inventory, which, by the way, good lord, the inventory in this game is the worst. Well, that's, uh, that's the whole game. Inventory management is half the game. Which is kind of a bummer. Uh, and just because I don't like that kind of thing. I'm sure some people love that. I'm not a fan of messing with inventory. It's like the old, uh, like the first <laughs> Resident Evil was like the worst Tetris inventory game ever made. But anyway, <clears throat> so... Once you start to see that, oh, okay, this there really isn't what's being procedurally generated are the planets themselves, the foliage, the growths, the the animals, and the stuff on the planets 
are all kind of assets that are just being randomly placed and perhaps colorized. Um, and when you when you get to that point at about 30 hours in, you realize you're just there's really not a point really anymore. So you kind of just drift. And for me, I kind of just have drifted away from it a little bit after that, putting that much time into it. That being said, Patrick is 100% right. And and I and listen, there's enough here for people to play forever. If they just want to keep playing it, they can go and go and go and go. But everything I've seen and read means you're going to go to, I mean, it doesn't matter how many planets outside of my 30 hours, I'm going to essentially be presented with the same sorts of things. Same kinds of aliens, same weird monolith, same uh, outposts that have been abandoned, a couple of abandoned ships. I'm going to go to space stations where they're weirdly empty with just a couple of doors in them. It's always going to be the same. And that's slightly disappointing because I think the what was sold in this game in our minds, and again, it's mostly our minds doing this, but our minds went, oh, it's it's always different everywhere. Gone are the shackles of we have to have a, a finite number of assets in a video game and you're just going to see them all again and again. Uh, you know, in a, in a shooter, that that red barrel you blew up is the same red barrel you're going to see on the final level. This was supposed to be more than that, or at least that's what we had in our heads. And it's not really. I mean, I think it's a huge technological jump, especially for a small indie team of 11 people or whatever. I think it's incredible. And that sense of leaving a planet's atmosphere entering a star system, taking out a couple asteroids, maybe fighting a guy on your way in, and then landing on the moon of a planet, mining it for its power, getting out of there and flying to the planet it's orbiting and realizing these are all standalone ecosystems with their own like weather patterns and mountainous regions and flat plains and deserts and lush greens and all this is un- overwhelmingly rad. But it doesn't <laughs> carry... It doesn't carry... That, I, how do I put this? That feeling doesn't continue because at some point you've seen it all, even well, though it's impossible to see it all, if that makes sense. Well, no, it makes complete sense because you, you have, what is it, five quintillion or 13 quintillion planets. But if it's 13 quintillion times or, you know, a quintillion times 13 different configurations, then it's really not 13 quintillion it's you sort of you have seen all of it and i 13 uh, 30 hours is a very basically it managed to pull the 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 curtain over your eyes for 30 hours and then you started seeing behind it but that's already pretty impressive however i think ultimately if you if we don't want to be coy it is not a good game the again the value is not in the gaminess of it it's not it's a very weak game but that it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a great game to have value as a gaming experience and i think that's what it is and i also think that um so to be 100% clear i didn't really like it i think i got a, a code from a friend who has uh, uh, whose girlfriend is at uh, sony so i didn't pay for it but i i think if i had i would have been a little bit disappointed interested because it's the kind of thing that i think other companies might iterate on and improve and maybe build something that it becomes really incredible but this in itself is already sort of a, an achievement in design and and that that other companies can build on and this is the kind of thing that you want to have witnessed to sort of understand how the media evolves and how uh the, you know games story uh, history rather is made and i think that's a small break in that giant uh, 
you know house that gaming is building so yeah basically not a great game it doesn't mean it doesn't have value and it doesn't mean it's not important and maybe it's going to turn into you know something else something someone else is going to jump on that wagon and and make it into something more incredible and maybe actually there are going to be some updates to the game they're already talking about stuff that might make it more interesting but For sure. And I hope they continue to support it. But yeah, and you're right. There's, and there are already some things on the horizon that look really interesting. Certainly we didn't even mention it, but the Gamescom presentation for Star Citizen, uh, introduced this, this thing. You are, you are entering atmospheres, landing on planets, doing crazy stuff on planets, taking off again, back up to wherever you want to go and go to the thing, you know, like there are no load screens, no, no weird fakery. Uh, also, that game is a behemoth, and I played the free beta thing this weekend. Oh my good lord! It is like a, it's a parking simulator. It's really hard, uh, <laughs> but 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 it's. I mean, that's you know, we're going to see more stuff like that. I think I like a more simple approach, and I would like to see other people iterate on this idea. So, I want this game to exist. It needs to be here. It's an important game. It is not a great game. Yeah. It isn't even much of a game, and not even the shooting's very fun. It's just sort of. That puts that stuff's just there. But when you start entering planets and you realize what you're doing and that a video game is letting you do it, you're like, oh, man, give these guys another 40 people and two years of development and they may have really built something amazing and they may still. So, yeah, we'll they're, they're, they're probably going to be doing something else afterwards. And it might be also, you know, build on the on that uh, basis. But uh, another thing I want to say, the introductory experience is abysmal. It's horrible. Like you get in and you've been sold on that idea that you're going to be, you know, flying from planet to planet and and taking off and and do all these amazing exploration things. And what they give you to do is collect a hundred items of iron and you have to walk to like a place that's five minutes you're just walking and you don't know what's happening and you're you don't have any life support left and you have to go back on the i understand the joy of discovering but that was i almost gave up after 10 minutes i was like what the hell is this thing that they're you know it 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 to me it was that is the weakest part of the game and and it was i think done to delay that moment where you actually lift off and that moment of 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 wonder because there isn't much left after that once you've warped outside of a system a couple of times you've seen all of it and maybe you yeah. keep doing it but it's still pretty much the game so they they i think they tried to to pad that a little bit but it is it almost made me give up. So I wasn't yeah, a fan. It's real weird. It's like uh, somebody compared it to infinite, infinite bowls of oatmeal. <laughs> okay. and, and it's like there's no end to it, but what you're really doing is just eating plain oatmeal. Like there's nothing really of substance there, but it's, but you can do it forever. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a, an apt conclusion to our impressions on that game, an infinite bowl of oatmeal. There you go. Um, all right. Thank you very much, Scott, for being with, with me to dissect Gamescom and other things. Uh, where might people find your, your, your antics on the internet? Tell me. Ah, tell yes. Me. I love this traditional part of podcasting. It's what we all do at the end of our shows. We, we let everybody say what they got going on. I think it's great. Let's let the tradition continue. Uh, I am, uh, I am, where, where am I? I'm all over the place. Uh, if you want to, you want to, I, I kept referring on the show to Rally Point which is um, new and something we do for Bleacher Report, which is part of Turner Broadcasting. 
Uh, it's all about competitive gaming from top to bottom. And so we discuss everything from Hearthstone to CSGO to Dota, League of Legends, Heroes, everything, uh, including a lot of talk here recently about what's going on with the Overwatch scene. If you would like to hear more of that, uh, head over to rallypoint.gg. We have an upcoming uh, interview with Greg Street, formerly of Blizzard, now works for League of Legends and Riot. And we're going to talk to him about that game and what's going on in that scene. So lots of really rad stuff happening there. For everything else, best place to find me pretty much every day is either frogpants.com or Scott Johnson on Twitter. Fan. Fantastic. And tell Greg Street hi for me. Not sure he remembers oh, me, but we need to get him back. We need to get him on the instance just to talk about wild stuff. He still tweets about it. So why not be on a show? I think that'd be cool. I guess that, that it might be a little bit awkward, though. I don't think he's allowed to talk about wow so much. Maybe I guess he can do whatever he wants, but uh, maybe design just at talk about design. Yeah. It, yeah, it it's, would be interesting I'd for love, sure. I'd love to hear what he thinks, you know, in a post-Warlords world of all this rad stuff happening with Legion. Uh, and see. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, he's never going to say anything too bad. Like, he's not just, oh, no, what the what those guys do now, it sucks, even if... I'm sure he doesn't <laughs> think so, but... Yeah, right. but it would still be interesting, though. I'd be up for yeah, it. To see, but anyway, watch for that coming up soon at rallypoint.gg. We're very excited. Before this month is out, you will hear that. Fantastic. I will listen. Uh, and for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter and you can find my shows at frenchspin.com and you can also find Overwatchers at amove.tv uh, if you want to hear everything about this new season that's coming up soon and the new map and a bunch of other things. We're going to be discussing this this week at uh, Overwatchers. So go check that out. That is going to be it for us. I thank you very much for listening. And we will be back in a couple of weeks with a whole other bunch of video gaming news. Bye! As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.